I know what I'm going to dress up as. Okay. Iron Man. Okay. With me, Archie. You can't. <laughs> Come at me, Archie. I am Iron Man. Yeah, like, I am Iron Man, and you're stupid enough to punch ice with your fists. Come at yeah. me. <laughs> Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 24-year-old actor and filmmaker. I like rooting anti-heroes and feminist agendas and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the 100 script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. My dream house is it's got to be like newish. Like I don't mm-hmm. want there to be any ghosts in it. First of all, that's like the main thing is no ghosts. Yeah, those, it's good that you, to know that you have standards. That's, like, my main priority is no ghosts. No ghosts, gotcha. Um, so, yeah, I'd like it to be, like, kind of, like, modern. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, like, two bedrooms. Doesn't have to be that big. Uh, minimalist, but, like, minimalist in the way that it's, like, but also enough. But I also have a lot of things. So, um, maybe not minimalist. Anyway, uh, yeah, thanks. Are you trying to say industrial? I don't know what I'm trying to say at this point. Oh, all right. Okay. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 29-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And my dream house is actually um, a picture that I saw on Tumblr, which is the oldest sentence ever spoken. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. (laughs) But it's like this beautiful condo in a busy city, but like it's most of the building, like the whole... it would be a townhouse, except it's not. It's got, like, a flat black front with gold accents in the metal. And then inside is, like, like minimalist industrial. It is just, oh, it is my dream house. That or I want to live literally in Sleeping Beauty Castle yeah. at Disney World. Great. Yeah. Like, I, that just there, though. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that's it. <clears throat> Today we have words to say about episode 315 of Riverdale, American Dreams. So American Dreams is an American television drama program broadcast on NBC from 2002 to 2005. The show tells the story of the Pryor family of Philadelphia during the mid-1960s with many plot lines centered around teenager Meg Pryor, who dances on American Bandstand. The show often featured contemporary musicians performing as popular musicians in the 1960s. It's also like just the concept of the American dream, you know, and they mention it in the episode. Uh... Read Great Gatsby. Um, Thanks. I don't know. Kind of just sounds like TV hairspray to me. Yeah. 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 Brittany, how are you? I'm alive. How are you? I am well. Hmm. I, mi- I missed you being here on the last pod week, last so week. I'm just making sure you're okay. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, great. We're both talking about the same yeah. thing. Um, I missed being on the pod last week. Uh, I'm so grateful to Sam for filling in for me because um, mm-hmm. due to external family things, um, I just could not turn up. So... Thank you so much to Sam, who um, I will reward by dating her or continuing to date her um, (laughs) for coming in and uh, being the best pitch hitter in the whole world. Yeah, great. We missed you. Is there anything? Now, I know that you haven't actually seen that episode. Like, you've seen this episode, but you haven't seen that one because you were so busy. Um, Is there anything that you would like to add about it? I don't know. No, except that I'm just assuming that whatever Archie did would make me angry. Um, so I'm just gonna... It, it actually was a pretty good Archie episode. Wow, I missed the one good Archie episode? Yeah, I mean, the the great news is that you can go back and watch it eventually. I mean, I probably will. Yeah. But, um, yeah, wow. We are still apart, though, unfortunately. Yeah, we are not in the same place, which brings me sad feelings. I miss you, but also it's so much easier to edit when you're here. So if you could come back, that'd be great. 
Yeah, I'm definitely trying to get back there as soon as possible. As soon as the stress stops. Yeah. I And uh, the stress will stop. I will land in Vancouver. I will take a big breath. I will sigh. I'll probably cry. And then we get to go meet Katya the next day. Oof. Oh my god, wait. What's the... Four minutes in, someone brought up drag queens. Yeah. That's a new record. Is Lynn, How long is Lynn staying for? Um, Probably a little under a week. Okay, cool. So, I mean, she's going to watch the musical episode with us. Yep. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. See, I a few weeks ago, last time you left, I watched the Heathers musical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have a lot of feelings since the last time we talked about it. Because um, last time we talked about it, we really just had the... Cast list. Cast list. And then like... Sam's memories of what the movie was about, but now I feel as though I am not necessarily an expert, but definitely someone who knows what she's talking about in regards to the musical now. And I'm very excited about it. Um, thanks. I'm, I miss those days because I miss when you didn't get the song Candy Store stuck in my head every goddamn hour of the day. I will never stop talking about Candy Store. I've literally been talking about Candy Store to Britney since I watched the musical, I was like, if they don't sing Candy Store, it is a crime. It's a crime. And I may have watched the extended trailer without you. Sorry, but I had to know if they sang Candy Store. And I think that they do. And also in this episode, FP literally says Candy Store. And I remember I watched it last night and I was like, <gasps> it's a clue. I was like, it's a clue. They have, uh, they have to sing Candy Store next episode. Also, at some point, Cheryl says, color me shocked. And in Candy Store, there's a line that is color me stoked. And I'm like, I'm just taking all of these hints that aren't hints. And I'm just gonna make it make it true in my head. I truly think Candy Store was a hint. Dude, I think it was too. And literally, I think Candy Store is like the most iconic song from that musical. And if they didn't sing it, once again, it is a crime. Yeah, I'm aware of your opinion that you think it's the most iconic because it's literally all you play. It's that and the Jonas Brothers song Sucker. And that's it. That's all Robin plays. It's new. (laughs) I want to go back in time to when all you played was Seven Rings. Hmm. Hmm. So let's do some thoughts from listeners. Woo! We have three different pieces of this. Um, Let's start with Sam. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know her. Okay, listen, listen, listeners. Oh, before we go into this, actually, we have an announcement later in the podcast, so freaking stay tuned. I love that, like, it sounds like we're just like, oh my god, you have to listen to the whole podcast, but it's like, no, it's just like, right now is not the time to announce it. We have a structure. Yeah, we we have a structure, and we know exactly where in the pod the announcement is going to go. So, yeah, um, just like, you're gonna want to know it. Yeah, get into it. <laughs> Anyway, so Sam is going to send us in a voicemail about her snake parents' thoughts. Uh, At the point of recording, we actually don't have the voicemail slash have not heard the voicemail because we don't have it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm sure that everything she says, we agree with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless I don't agree with it and then I'll just yell at her later. Sure. But they're snake parents' thoughts, so actually I absolutely do agree with them. You go off, baby. Yeah. So um, here's Sam's voicemail. Nice. Hi, my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 26-year-old writer and marketing coordinator in sunny pre-apocalyptic Washington, D.C. I'm a senior writer and the social media specialist at Telltale DV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at SamKCC, where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. My dream house is definitely um, very close to a beach with lots of open space and... Lots of white and lots of big open windows and lots of plants. And it's very aesthetic. And there's a pool, for sure. Uh, So (laughs) this is really weird to do without you guys. 
talking back. So I'm just going to jump right into it. I wrote down some talking points while rewatching the episode, and I'm going to go kind of out of order because it's our show and not yours. <laughs> I could do whatever I want. Um, actually, it's your show. Anyway, so my major question is, why did every good couple break up in this episode? Because FP and Alice broke up, Ter- Cheryl and Tony sort of broke up, or Tony just moved out, I don't know, question mark, and Reggie and Veronica broke up, and I'm like... This is all all that I cared about right now on this show. So what what are you doing? What are you doing? So like I love that Ron- Reggie is like standing up for himself and like knowing his worth because Veronica has been treating them like second place and like garbage like all this time. And I don't blame him for trying to get his car back or trying to get... Has she not been paying him? Like, she handed him that envelope full of money and it was, like, minimum wage or something. And, or more than minimum wage, but he was, like, you know. Anyway, was she not paying him before? Has he been working there, like, since it started with no money? Has... What? I have questions. That's a bad way to bu- run a business, Veronica. That was a bad business plan. So that I think that's my main thing on them. Uh, I would like to see them get together and work it out. But uh, also, what are you doing, Riverdale? Cheryl and Tony. I personally really enjoyed <laughs> their sex scene. I know it was pretty explicit, uh, even for the even for Riverdale. But I and like while I always am like aware that Riverdale shows a lot of underage sex and I feel feel that that's irresponsible across the board in how often and how much they do that. I do appreciate that Cheryl and Tony are getting at least the same amount and same sort of treatment kind of or like same sort of level of content uh, in that respect as Bughead and Varchi have in the past because they're they are a queer couple and I think it's important to show the same amount of sexuality if across the board if you're going to do that because then it's not sanitizing the gay couple because oh we shouldn't show gays on tv or something uh so i do appreciate that they did that for us um and i i liked the scene a lot and yeah i also it also just makes me question because if this is just me being selfish because if they can get away with a scene like that Why have the only scenes between FP and Alice of any kind of sexual nature like that been them just laying there in bed? Like, why haven't they even kissed? Why, why were they just like, like, I'm, I just want to be fed. That's it. Anyway, sorry for that detour. I, Tony, like their conversation after they had sex was also frustrating to me because it started out really mature and really understanding and like a totally valid conversation that any couple who is going through the like complications of moving in together um and like settling into a relationship would have that conversation and I felt that Tony was completely valid in like wanting to spend time with her friends and like wanting to have her own things in Cheryl's space and in Cheryl's house because if it doesn't feel feel like hers, then she's not going to feel at home there. And she's just going to feel like a bother and like she's not fully welcome. Like it's not really, 
She needs to feel that ownership of the space as much as Cheryl does. And I feel that Tony, all of Tony's talking points were completely valid. And it it bothers me that they keep having Cheryl be completely reactionary and sort of having her blow up at every like little conflict and because Cheryl has so like she has shown that she has the ability to learn and grow especially in this relationship and she's done a lot of that in the in the season before and in a few episodes this season she's shown a lot of like maturity and ability to grow even immediately after making mistakes so it's really frustrating to see her in the last couple episodes be completely reactionary and kind of treating Tony this way without like hearing her at all uh so I hope that they can figure out whatever they're doing with her character right now and get her back to the point (laughs) and then okay so my next uh talking point is the only thing that I truly care about on Riverdale which is FP and Alice so when they show up at the Cooper house there's a lot of confusion and I genuinely cackled out loud when I watched it the first time and also the second time and (laughs) so did Gladys not know that it was Alice's house because I know Alice was like marketing it herself like she she was doing the open house like she didn't have a real estate agent as far as we could tell and I know she was going by Alice Smith but if Gladys grew up in the south side with FP and Alice would she not know that Alice was Alice Smith before she married Hal uh and then that leads me to my other question does she know anything about FP and Alice being together uh at any point in their relationship because again if she grew up on the south side with both of them would she not have known about them dating in high school and then if she knows about them dating in high school does it make her does she did she know about them dating in high school did she know that they were serious at at during high school like does she know that the level of feelings there at all like does she have any gauge uh beyond them just knowing each other because they were people are people who grew up in Riverdale together and does she have any idea that FP has been seeing her recently I don't think she knows about that but I do think she would know about them being together in high school and I think that would give her enough reason to have slight animosity towards Alice and also give her pause about FP's feelings and whether he still has them for Alice in the present which obviously he does and then so by to the next scene uh oh my gosh even in the house though fp clearly can tell that like alice is sort of trying to just like play it all off and like it just it's just not gonna work so yeah even at the house he was he just kept watching alice and gladys just seemed sort of proud to be taking something from alice in this way which i think it's kind of Gladys being able to be like think that she finally won when she fully has not uh and then so the big breakup scene at the sheriff's office oh boy I have a lot of feelings just in general about FP and Alice and especially now I so I wish that they had not cut the scene that I spoke about in the last pod because I feel like then, first of all, we would have seen them have having kissed already. 
because there was a kiss in that scene, but also just because they, we don't expect to get a lot of stuff from this ship because it is sort of secondary to all the teen relationships because this is Riverdale and that's how that goes. So, but it would make sense for us to get something every few episodes. And I think that the, either the editors or whoever makes that decision to cut scenes like that didn't think about the fact that yes we did see them in other episodes and other scenes together in group settings and in we did get the scene of him protecting her in the house which was a a great cool callback to scream which i thought was really cool and we saw him him sort of be the one to clinch his fist when Tallboy was teasing about Alice, um, even though Jughead was the one that punched him, and which makes no sense, but okay. But it would have been, just even having that one scene be in the show would have made this moment feel more heartbreaking because we would have seen them like being in a relationship and being together beyond just the one scene of them in bed that we got which wasn't even them talking about being together it was them talking about Betty and Jughead which kind of weird when you're naked but I mean go off (laughs) so then Alice asks if he loves Gladys and then he asks if she loves if he loves him her pronouns are difficult gender is a construct anyway so she asks fp if he loves gladys and then she asks if he loves her and he doesn't answer either question because if he answers either question it's going to make it impossible for him to do what he thinks he needs to do so if he says no he doesn't love gladys and he says yes he does love alice then it's going to make it harder and it also make no sense for him if he vote verbalizes that to break up with Alice and go on playing happy families with Gladys. Now, he's obviously doing what he thinks is best for Jughead and Jellybean because he thinks that having like a whole family unit is what will make what will make the best home life for the kids and what will make them happiest and he just wants to provide that for his kids and like Gladys even says later in the episode that all he's ever wanted was to live uh, on the north side and provide a good life for his family. And even at at the birthday party, she says that the most important role that he's ever played is father. And I think that is what matters most to him as well. So he's just doing what he thinks matters to the kids uh, and not following his gut instincts or his heart, especially in regards to his own personal relationships. So... Yeah, so he doesn't answer either question because he, if he answers it, it'll be impossible for him to break up with Alice. And I also think that Alice is essentially admitting that she loves him. And maybe she's even said as much before off screen and we don't know about it. But she's essentially said it like multiple times this season just because she's admitted to having feelings for him since they were in high school. And then now she's saying this here. She's asking, do you love me? And I don't think you ask somebody that unless you you love them back because you won't you wouldn't allow yourself to be that vulnerable in front of them unless you were in love especially alice cooper because she's one of the like until the farm storyline she's very tough and like very good at pitting walls up so for her to be that vulnerable in front of fp i feel like she absolutely loves him and he he absolutely loves her back but he's still being 
He's still doing what he thinks is right for everybody else and not for himself, which is, I feel like, what he's always sort of done. And honestly, boy, (laughs) I would like to turn around and give the boy to FP and just let him know that this is ridiculous. And if he wants Alice Cooper, then he better go after her and prove it. Like, just fight for her, damn it. That's all you gotta do, and she will be yours. She's been... Oh, she's been in love with him forever. This is, they're ridiculous. Also, I wrote down that FP seems kind of bummed at his birthday party. And I'm pretty sure it is because the only person he actually really wants to see on his birthday is not there. Hashtag, uh, the Jonesmen don't like birthday parties. Hashtag, let him just have a party with Alice. Thanks. I also just wanted to say thank you for the shirt that Gina wore at the birthday party, I mean that Gladys wore at the birthday party. As a gay, I say thank you. And that's pretty much it. I don't think Alice is in the the next episode, but I'm excited for the next episode because it's gonna be uh, the musical, and that's really awesome. Uh, the Carrie musical is really good, so I hope that they manage to make that magic happen again with the Heather's musical. If they don't sing Candy Sore, I'm suing Robin personally because she got it stuck in my head for um, the entire time that I was there in January and February. So, Robin, I'm coming for you. <laughs> anyway, my hope just for the rest of the season is that they work things out, especially between FP and Alice and um, Cheryl and Tony and even Veronica and Reggie if they want to. Um, but mostly FP and Allison, Cheryl and Tony. Um, I want Cheryl to like show some maturity and like have an adult conversation with Tony and work out their issues. Um, I want FP to get his head out of his ass and see that Gladys is up to no good and realize that he needs to go save Alice from the farm. Because if the farm storyline gets any kookier and pulls her in any deeper... Which I feel like he was maybe the only thing really tethering her to reality at any at that point. So please go save her. That's all I'm asking. Bring her back. Anyway, okay, love you, bye. Once again, we have not heard it at the time of recording. So if anything that we say later is like redundant because Sam already said it, sorry, we just feel it extra in our bones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just like really want to reemphasize how right she is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So more thoughts from listeners. We got some tweets from Joanna. Hi, Joanna. Uh, I meant to say this last week, but then forgot. But are you sure Polly wasn't baptized? I just thought she had been before and that the dying during the ceremony is rare. And most times people get pulled out in time. But with the bride theory, it would make sense she hadn't. Yeah, I'm kind of still not clear on what the baptism was supposed to be. Yeah, me neither. And... It's like, if dying during the ceremony is rare, then why did they keep her under the water for so long, even after she, like, finished, like, like, she was struggling and, like, pulling her arms up, trying to, like, grab onto Polly and stuff, and I assumed that after she, like, stopped struggling, that's when you let her up, but they still kept her under for extra long time even after that. So that's what makes me think that the baptism is literally just like, try not to die, fam. Maybe the baptism is like, they told Polly to hold her under for five seconds, but Polly counted in Mississippi's. Oh. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Polly sure. does act like someone who has been baptized just because she kind of has that sort of smug authority that Evelyn also has. Yeah. So I am confused by that. Um, Joanna also said, 
I'm also nervous about Gladys's drinking. It was three days in a row getting drunk and then a fourth one coming in already drinking. But I'm also wondering if she was faking it so people underestimate her. It feels like something Gladys would do. That does feel like something Gladys would do. Um, I'm honestly more nervous about a shot where she seems to hand FP a beer. I'm just hoping it's non-alcoholic. Same when she takes a beer from a fridge soon after she arrives to town. Like, it's okay for Gladys to want to have alcohol in the house, but it's a conversation they need to have as partners, especially when FP's sobriety is so recent. Like, six months? I think the last time we saw him drink was when he got fired from Pops. But really, you guys are great and looking forward to listening to you next week. That's this one. Hi. 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 That was so nice. And also agreed. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I've been thinking Mm. about this since last week. Okay. Because you had texted about that. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. Mm. I think the show sometimes conveniently forgets that things like that happen. So like, they're like, oh, right. FP was supposed to be sober. Yeah. So like, we look for these things and we're like, what the hell? Like, we know this character inside and out. And we know like, he's (laughs) an alcoholic and he's not supposed to be drinking. And the writers are like, oops, oops. So that's one theory. The other is that they are setting up some kind of huge fall for FP, which I think given yeah. this episode is probably coming now. Right. And we also got uh, some tweets from Mandy, who is at Short Socklings, and she wrote this after last night's episode. Okay. So she's trying to, because I was out here about to complain about Cheryl some more. And she's got some uh, thoughts on Cheryl. So here we go. I want to hear these. Okay. Yes. Okay. Here's my thoughts based on the last pod and this week's episode. I know Cheryl is being a total dick to Tony, but I feel like I know why. She's Mm. seeing this woman she loves spending time with other people. Cheryl clearly has issues trusting people. I'm not talking about cheating or anything. Just trusting that people do enjoy being her friend and being there for her. From my experience, I have had friends stop being my friend and start being really good friends with someone I've introduced them to. It's horrible. It makes you feel not good enough for anyone if even your best friend doesn't think you're good enough. Well, that's just how you feel. Cheryl feels like she's seen Tony way more interested in the poisons and that she would rather be with them than Cheryl. Even though it may or may not be true, Cheryl feels like Tony is just slipping away and she doesn't want to be with her if she has them. Cheryl has always only ever had one person she loves and trusts in her life at a time, so having numerous close friends must not be something she understands. So if Tony spends her time with the poisons, Cheryl only sees that as her choosing them and not her. So Cheryl is putting up her guard, her coldness towards Tony, and wants to push her away first before Tony gets to, because then she wins and she's the one who gets to decide if their relationship is over. She hurts Tony before she can hurt her. Now, I'm not a mental health professional at all. Just from what I see, I feel in that situation. Now, I'm not saying Cheryl is in the right or that this is a healthy way of thinking. It most definitely is not. It's toxic as hell. I just feel for Cheryl because I've been in her shoes a few times. Self-sabotage is a bitch to overcome. Yep. Yep. I'm like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, cool. These were all the thoughts I had watching it too because- Oh, good. Literally, like, you were talking about, you're like, I don't know about Cheryl. And I was watching the episode and I'm like, I'm Cheryl. Mm. Like, I've lived this. I know this. I feel it in my bones. She's just scared. And it was like the same thought about Jason was, yes, she has only ever been hyper-focused on one person. And she lost that person. That's why she hated Polly so much. Exactly. Because he was choosing Polly. Exactly. And then Polly comes into her life and it's like, oh, you were the one who took my brother from me. Yeah. So everything that Cheryl's doing makes perfect sense. It seems like it's wrapped up in, oh, she's being a bitch. She's not. She's trying to protect herself. Yeah, communication is key, though. God, I mean, I know it's a TV show, but please, like, if you're feeling this way, Cheryl, and I know that maybe Cheryl doesn't have, like, the skills to talk about it, you know, maybe she just doesn't understand what's actually going on in her head, but, like, God, if she could just be like, Tony, you're making me feel bad and this is why, they could really work through it, you know? Exactly. And I think that'll probably be a place that they get to as a couple, but... Mm -hmm. 
Cheryl has to have a more objective third party sit down, look at the situation and go, Cheryl, this is what you're doing. I think that would be a really good job for Ronnie. Yeah. So I'm hoping that like someone can give her a little bit of perspective, but I do like the continuity that Cheryl deals with loss by starring in musicals. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. It's true. And it's like now she's emancipated from Penelope, so she can actually be the lead. Exactly. Brittany, I'm really worried. I th- Do you think someone's going to be, like, terribly murdered again? I mean, it's Riverdale, so probably. Oh, boy. I mean, Man, that right? sucked last time. That was terrible. Yeah, that one time when there was murder and then Midge was killed and then no one ever brought it up again. Yeah, that did suck. Can you believe... Midge has been dead for a whole year in canon. Midge Clump and Dilton Doily are both dead. <laughs> That's insane. And everyone's like, oh, Don't right. tell, don't tell, like, 10-year-old me reading Archie comics that both Dilton and Midge are oh dead. Oh my god, I would cry. Don't tell her. <gasps> She'd be upset. That would make little me cry so much. I know. I loved Midge and I loved Dilton. Oh my god, I loved Moose and Midge so much. Yeah, oh my god, and now Moose is gone too. Like, not dead at least, but he's not here either. Sad. (sighs) The tragedy of Riverdale. Ruining childhoods everywhere. (laughs) Oh man, don't tell younger me that Grundy's dead. I'd be so sad. I actually would be sad about Grundy because I liked Grundy in the comics. She was grumpy and mean. (laughs) Um, uh, Toot or boot, Britt? (sighs) In an ideal world, I'd give it just a newt. Mm-hmm. But given that I enjoyed it more than I've enjoyed previous episodes that weren't like Parentdale, I'm going to give it a toot, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to toot it for yeah. sure. Last episode was just on the cusp of toot and newt, but this one is like a little bit farther up on the toot scale. Toot <laughs> Cool. Okay, should we get started then? Yeah. All right, so we're going to talk about uh, Veronica's storyline first. Cool. Reggie asks Veronica if he can be her business partner. He's been around the whole time doing just as much work. Veronica says no. She tries to pay him, but he won't take it. Reggie tries to steal his car back from Gladys, but she catches him. Veronica's upset, telling him that she's almost done paying off her debt, which, what? But anyway, he shouldn't be so reckless. Reggie tells her that he has sacrificed so much for her and has gotten nothing in return. Veronica buys Reggie's car back from Gladys, and it's said that they probably wouldn't be dating if it wasn't for the speakeasy. Reggie is upset, which is fair. Veronica tells Betty about Gladys, and that's a different storyline. I I actually, I found myself not hating this storyline because I feel like Reggie's arc here was very organically built. I definitely agree. I found it incredibly repetitive, though. Oh, absolutely. It was multiple scenes of, you don't value me. Yes, I do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Like, that sort of thing. Yeah, literally. I I have, like, four notes about the storyline, and that's it. Yeah, my my honestly, my one note about this storyline is that I do enjoy that it didn't come out of nowhere, which I think a lot yeah. of storylines on this show do. Agree. Actually, I just I'm looking at my notes and two of them mean the same thing. So um, three notes. Oh, great. So you're guilty of the same thing the show is? Um, well, kind of. Uh, my first note was I agree with Reggie. And my other one was Reggie feels sad and bad and you are not helping. <laughs> Reggie feels sad and bad. I'm I'm on his side. Like, Veronica, no, so come on. Like, what? My whole thing with this that I thought was interesting was she kept referring it to it as our debt. Yeah. And he yeah. would not have been in that situation if she hadn't asked him to be in the first place. So it's not so much, Reggie's not the murderer, he's the accessory to murder. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like a crime by proxy. And I, I don't know if I 100% understand what he means by, like, he wants to be a partner. Yeah, yeah. 
and that he feels like he hasn't gotten anything out of it because I don't know if we've seen enough of the storyline to justify that, but he is right yeah. in that, you know, he's been shot and all of this stuff. And he has been there at the very, very beginning, very yeah. beginning, before it was even open, he was there. Exactly. I mean, yeah, he helped so. her hide um, Jingle Jangle. Fully. Like, he's been there the whole time. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I would make him like a business partner either, but I definitely like give the man a promotion or something. And I definitely see his point because this is kind of what Ronnie does, which is like, she doesn't mean to do it, but it's sort of in her instinct is to use people in a well-meaning way. Mm-hmm. So like, like sort of like the hired, like, bodyguard kind of thing and he's like well I don't want to be that to you I want to be like either a business partner or a boyfriend but I don't want to be this weird in-between thing which is the same thing that happened with Archie yeah in both in both respects yeah exactly I thought it was kind of a weird kind of a little bit clunky way to break them up though oh for sure well you don't think they're gonna get back together or do you think they're broken up for good now no, I'd love for them to get back together, but it's like, if they're like, okay, so we need Veronica and Reggie to break up. They're like, okay, well, let's have Reggie be upset because he keeps giving things and she doesn't give him anything back. And you're like, okay, well, great, that makes sense. But then him being like, would we even be dating uh, uh, except for the speakeasy? And she's like, no, probably not. But aren't you happy that we are now? I'm like, that's a pretty good answer. I mean, but at the same time, why does it matter if they're dating because of the speakeasy? That's like asking we wouldn't be dating if we were like attending the same high school. Well, yeah, no shit. Yeah, no, yeah, no kidding. Circumstances bring people together, especially if they're location based. <laughs> yeah, that's why I thought it was weird. It's like, if, if we hadn't both gone to this same college, then would we even be dating? No, I wouldn't know you. Yeah, like, but, if- but but that did happen and, and we are dating. So like, I don't get it. I didn't. Uh, so yeah, I just thought it was like a weird way to break them up. If they were like, we need them to break up. And it's like, okay, well, just slap this together, I guess. Dude, it's literally like if I turned to Sam one day and went, would we even be meeting if we didn't both happen to be on a small microblogging platform in 2009 talking about the television show Battlestar Galactica? Like, and Sam would have been like, no. No. And you'd be like, oh, oh, no. It wasn't meant to be. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's that's ridiculous. I mean, maybe. I mean, like. Sometimes I like to think that it's like you'd find each other anyway, you know, it's like if if it's fate, then you'll find each other. But it's kind of true. The Internet's small. Yeah. So, eh, whatever. One of my other thoughts was uh, that she said she was almost done paying off her debts. Uh, What? But literally last episode, she's like, I owe them so much money. Taking 5% off is not that much. How long have you been casinoing? (laughs) Casino? How long have you been illegally casinoing? Yeah. Like, is FP just letting this happen? Brittany, literally, last episode, me and Sam were like, cool. Literally, you're, like, freaking out about the police showing up, but FP's FP literally knows. He's literally been there. I think you're fine. And he's literally, and then he's here again. I mean, obviously, all of the casino stuff is put away, right? Because they, like, have, like, a hiding device or whatever. But, like, still... And plus, all the serpents are now deputies. Like, one serpent's gonna come down here and be like, FP! (laughs) Ronnie's running a casino! And FP's like, I know, I lost 20 bucks there last night. It sucked. (laughs) I know, it sucks. (laughs) It's like, I'm gonna arrest her because she- Because I keep losing. But it's like, I guess it's like a convenient way to keep him out of that plot line. Because if he doesn't ask, why are you running a casino? He doesn't have to learn that it's because she owes Gladys money. Right, 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 yeah. But uh, regardless, I'm like, what do you think the Federal Gaming Commission is going to come after you? Like, it's Riverdale. Veronica, another thing that Veronica says that I thought was interesting was that she and Archie broke up a few months ago. So it's like, I'm just confused about the timeline just in general, because like, 
I'm not going to pretend to try and understand. Also, Cheryl uh, talks about spring break and also the um, musicals usually happen in like around March. So I'm like, cool. So we skipped Christmas this year. Oh yeah, fully. We fully skipped Christmas. When did the quarantine happen within there? How long ago? How long was Archie gone? Because they said five weeks. That's only one month. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to understand. I know. I was like, it's bold of you to try and make sense out of a p- timeline that will never make sense. Yeah. So cool. Um, great. It was folly. That's literally to look for that, logic in this show. <laughs> that's literally all I have about the Veronica storyline. The thing that I thought um in the Veronica storyline that I really liked was the way Reggie expressed himself. Yeah. Um, which is that I believe he said something like, I wish you like respected me and yeah. treated me well. And I was like, it's actually very rare for a character to speak and even for human beings to speak that honestly and openly about what they want from another person. Beach, you know what this is? This is sweet pee sweet behavior. Pee. That's that's yes. exactly what I was thinking is whoever is writing this knows that when they need to, these characters can have very healthy conversations. Mm-hmm. And this was clearly mm-hmm. a healthy conversation where someone was drawing a boundary and saying, I would like more than what you're giving me because as a person, I deserve more. I mean, yeah, Reggie's being a little more aggressive than he needs to be about it, but yes. I definitely agree. The only problem that I'm having is that it's constantly men asking for these things. Yeah. And it's always of women. And when it when it's like Cheryl needs to be doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Like these open conversations aren't happening with like, going both ways it's just men saying i need you to provide me the emotional support that i'm looking for and i'm like okay that's totally fine i love that what i would also like is for the female characters to be treated that same way yeah but i mean that's like a minor quibble that i think like just given the nature of the show they'll probably do at some point and then undo it with some kind of like sexist crap but like whatever that's we're real. right actually it's not whatever because that's like the thing i enjoy talking about most is the gender dynamics on their show <laughs> yeah but yeah, I just really liked that conversation. I thought it was healthy. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's all I got for you. Yeah, I wish Veronica took him more seriously. I am constantly confused by what Veronica is trying to do in this show. I want to take back what I just said, that Reggie is being too aggressive about it. Because now that I think back to it, the first time he says it is he's like, Hi, Veronica, this is what I was thinking. And then when she says no, he gets increasingly more angry. Yeah, he's not. It- so actually, he's totally, he's totally valid. Never mind. I rescind my statement. And I respect that because like you would think, oh my God, why is he being so pushy? But it's like, he's not, he's literally come at this from every angle. And the last thing that he has left is, Hey, please treat me like a person. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And then she's like, here's your car back. Now we don't owe each other anything. And now it's like, cool. So like, what's the point of us hanging out? Like, like it was that her firing him? Does he quit? Like, yeah, I'm just a little confused about what's next for them. I'm honestly- Especially because they're both in the, they're both in the musical also next uh, episode. Well, okay. So if we look at it this way, what was the point of Reggie and Ronnie as a plotline? To help break up Varchi. Okay. And then um, bigger question is what has Ronnie's plotline been in say the arc of the last three episodes or so? I really have to say that even Archie's storyline was more interesting than the speakeasy storyline to Agreed, me. Agreed. Because it has purpose. It's just like, it really feels like this. Yeah. The speakeasy storyline really seems to just be, like I said, even just in this episode, it's super repetitive, but it's been super repetitive. Like all this whole second half of season three so far, it's just been like, Oh no, I can't afford my speakeasy. How do I make money? Oh no, I, I uh, owe a debt. How do I make money? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Things are going bad. How do I make money? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it's like, it's, uh, I don't like it. I think like 
what it comes down to is that Veronica's storyline purely exists to serve the overall plot of the show and to move storylines like Gladys and Hiram forward. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like other storylines, like even Archie's, even though I have no interest in Archie, serves Archie's character. Yes. But none of this has done anything to develop Veronica as a character. Hard agree. Hard agree. Like, you know, the the struggles with Alice develop Betty, Jughead's family life develops, Jughead develops, FP serves yes. all of those characters. I could not tell yes. you the purpose of Ronnie's storyline beyond we have to push a plot in some way, so let's just use Veronica to do it. Agree. So, and I would be fine with it if Veronica got any emotional development at all, but Veronica's kind of been, like, stuck emotionally since probably the beginning of season two. Right. Because, I mean, she flip-flops about doing crime and about her dad so frequently that I'm like, are you ever going to settle on a decision or are you just constantly going to be changing your personality to suit a plot line? Right. And it's just like... Her whole thing is Archie, 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 Archie. Oh, can't be with Archie? Okay, Reggie, 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 Reggie. And then it's like, I'm not about a boy anymore. I'm about my business. But it's like, okay, but you're still about a boy. And your business is doing nothing but developing a plot line for Gladys. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I agree. Thank you. Thank you. Um, should we move on to uh, Cheryl and Tony? Yes. Okay, here we go. Cheryl and Tony continue to have issues. Cheryl springs a vacation on Tony, but she already had plans with the poisons. Tony has to leave for work before they have a chance to talk about it. Communication is key, people. Cheryl comes to the speakeasy and sees Tony singing a song with Veronica about breaking up with your girlfriend, and it's really, it's just very on the nose, honestly. Yeah. After finding out that Tony paid Nana Rose rent, Cheryl looks around the speakeasy and comes back later to fully rob it. Veronica is your friend, but go off. Tony is there, and they make questionable choices in a restaurant-type location, which makes me never want to eat at a public table ever again. Mm. Tony and Cheryl decide that it was too soon for them to move in together, and Tony should move out. Cheryl tells Kevin that they are now doing Heathers instead of Godspell for the school musical. Thank God we don't have to watch a Godspell episode. Oh, God. I would... <laughs> Literally, Brittany, when he said, we're gonna do Godspell instead of Heathers, I burst into laughter. I've never heard of Godspell. Do you want to really quickly tell me what that is? I... I don't okay um so no shade first of all to anybody who likes godspell slash uh yeah just anybody who um likes godspell okay um I saw a performance of godspell um in 2013 uh and I saw it because one of my um friends from theater school was in it um and uh, she's not listening to this, but if she is, I'm so sorry, and I love you so much. Um, but it was community theater, and, um... That's really all that needs Basically, mm -hmm. basically, and I just had a hard time following, also, Godspell is, um, basically just, like, the, uh, um, Bible the musical. Okay. So, like, so, like, Jesus is in it, and Judas is in it, and it's just, it's Bible the musical. Um, and so I had a hard time following, and, yeah... Um, no shade to anybody who likes Godspell, but, um, that is not my jam. So is it, like, about Jesus, or? Yeah, it's about Jesus. Okay. And, and yeah, and then I think Jesus, like, dies at the end. I don't remember. To be honest, I spent the whole time being like, can I go? So it's no Jesus Christ Superstar, is what you're saying? It's not Jesus Christ Superstar, no. That's a damn shame. It, it's called Godspell. Yeah. And um, I was like, please, God, no. Please, please Godspell, no. Damn it! Still my joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, I'm also glad that we're not doing that then. I would, I, dude, I genuinely, like, just started screaming laughing. 
I was like, please, sorry, sorry, any and all neighbors we have. Did you have like war flashbacks? I was like, if we had to watch a Godspell episode, I would be like, I would sue. Wow. Thanks. Okay. I'd be like, I'd be like, is this a joke? And they'd be like, yes, because this show is kind of a joke. That's true. But it's Um, a joke we're all in on. Oh my God. That's the perfect way to describe Riverdale. Oh my God. It's a joke, but we're all in on it. It's a joke that we're all in on. Oh, I love that. (gasps) I love it. My mind. <laughs> so going into my notes, um, uh, Cheryl wants to go to Quebec for spring break. So it's like March now, question mark, I think. Yeah, girl, what are you doing? It's March cold. Is, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, in Quebec. Why are you doing that? It's Canada in March. Uh, oh, and then uh, Tony says that sh- they were going to go to Sugar Lake. The Poisons wanted to go to Sugar Lake. Sugar Lake is in BC, which I think is pretty cool. Obviously, it's like supposed to be in New York or wherever they are. But I thought it was cool that Gracie Lake, like the girl who... With the gun, uh, yeah. Yeah, the little girl with the gun that was also a lake in BC. And it looks like Sugar Lake is also a lake in BC. So it's like, shout out to BC. These writers just really like BC lakes. And I can relate. I have to say, I really... I. I gave this episode a toot mostly for like the Betty Jughead Archie plot lines. I had mm-hmm. a really weird time with the the other two. That's why we're kind of getting them over with right now. Um, I thought the this whole song thing where Cheryl shows up and she's like, I have cookies or biscuits or whatever. And then sees Tony singing a song about breaking up with your girlfriend because uh, she's bored or something. Um, I just found that really clunky and weird. It... It really seemed out of place to me. I mean, it was a great excuse to get some Ariana Grande up in here. But otherwise, my thing is, I quite like the conflict between them because it really explores both characters in a way that we can quantify. It's not like with some characters, you're like, where is this conflict coming from? It's very much like in line with who these two women are. It's just that it kind of makes me wonder what the point of it is. Did you, do you think that that song was by Ariana Grande? Break up with your girlfriend because I'm bored? Yeah, that's the joke I was making, but that's not the song they were singing. Oh, I thought that's what they were singing. No, they were singing Call Your Girlfriend by Robin. Oh my god, I am a bad gay and I should be fired. Yeah, when you said that, I was like, yeah, I made a joke. Wouldn't that be cool if they were singing Break Up With Your Girlfriend Because I'm Bored? Because because that would be like, ref, like and the Reggie would be like, hey, I there was a really um handsome guy in that music video, right? Honestly, I kind of thought that's what happened and they were just singing like a part of Break Up With Your Girlfriend in a way that I didn't recognize, but it turns no. out I'm just stupid. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's fun for me. Um, are we supposed to think that Tony's getting with Veronica? No, this is the thing that confused me is Cheryl's instinct when she saw her girlfriend having fun was to be like, boo. Yeah. Um, like for me, if I saw that, I'd be like, okay, well, weird song choice, but glad you're having fun. You know, like, like, I can't tell if she's more angry about the song choice or if she's more angry about her with Veronica. I think it's definitely that she perceives what Tony is doing to be Tony trying to get away from her, like Tony trying to get some space. And without Tony communicating why she's doing this, to Cheryl, it probably just looks like she's being rejected. Ooh, do you think that her dancing and singing with Veronica, like, all touchy like that, was one of the reasons why Cheryl decided to rob the speakeasy? Possibly, yeah, that would make sense. Because my main thing was, like, you and Veronica are, like, buddies, though, so what's up? I think with her robbing the speakeasy, 
for me, that spoke more to, I want your attention and I know that you know I'm doing this. Oh, yeah. Because Cheryl's entire plotline in this episode, of course, is just a giant cry for attention. She wants Tony's yeah. attention. Oh my gosh. And that dress that she walks in with, I'm like, <gasps> it works. I'm like, it works for you. But if anyone walked into like a bar I was in, I'd be like, oh, what's up? Are you okay? Like, um, did you come here from somewhere? Like, yeah. are you okay? Do you need a ride? Why do you think this is a formal event? Do you need an Uber? Yeah. But I, I just, I was really nuts about Cheryl this episode just because I understand where her emotions are, especially like because she's always been an isolated character who was told by her mother that there was something wrong with her. And so she's finally embraced the part of her that she loves the most, which is her like sexual identity and now the person that she sees personifying that is in her mind rejecting her and so that's gonna send her into a whole tailspin you know what i just realized and this Mm. probably will not be brought up next episode at all but heather is the name of the girl that cheryl said that she was like friends with and kind of liked earlier in her life that penelope wouldn't let her see Oh my god, I never thought about that. Heather, and, and now they're doing Heathers and she's playing a character named Heather. It probably will not come up. It's probably a coincidence. I'm just saying. I like that coincidence. Though. That's a fun one that like only we will keep track of. It's just like a little Easter egg. Yeah. yeah. So do you think that Cheryl and Tony will get back together next episode or do you think they're going to drag it out a little? Okay, yeah, I have thoughts on this because um, the character that Tony is playing in the musical does not exist in the musical. Um, There's another character, and I wish I could remember her name. I think they all call her like something like Dump Truck or something, though, because because she's supposed she you know she's overweight, so let's all make fun of her because it's the '80s or whatever. Oh, cute. Yeah, and so she's in the musical, and Veronica, who is the main character of the musical, is her best friend. Mm-hmm. And then when she meets friends with the Heather's, then the Heather's are like, "Be mean to her, or else you know, social suicide." And so she's mean to her friend, and then her friend. Is like upset and sad um because you know that's life i guess but that character is not cast in the cast list that we get instead tony is this other character who um was a very very small small character in the movie who isn't in the musical but in the trailer we see tony singing so that makes me think that tony is playing this smaller character who is taking the place of the girl who gets bullied because they don't have a, a, a larger person in the musical to play the dump truck girl. That would make sense, but also like, Ethel, you okay? Yeah, where wherefore art thou, Ethel? Yeah, are you okay, Ethel? Because like, that would be, and it, I don't mean that offensively, but in terms of like, you know, characterizations, that would be the role that Ethel would take. Exactly. And she would take it because actually that character has a really incredible song closer to the end of the musical that's like really beautiful it's a solo song that she gets to like really belt out and so it'd be actually a really good role for anybody yeah so that's what makes me think that maybe tony is tony is taking over that song and just uh, has a different name because that's like i guess they can't make fun of her for that that's odd yeah and that also makes me think that cheryl saying i need to channel my rage we're doing heather's is she saying, Kevin, you have to make Tony this character because my character spends the whole musical making fun of her? Um, no, I'm betting that Kevin cast Tony in some last ditch attempt, either by Kevin to get them back together or because Tony was the most qualified for the role. And that just gives Cheryl conflict that's fun to right. play with. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think Tony would, in- or that Cheryl would intentionally cast Tony in that role. Okay, good. Yeah, I don't think so either, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. I... 
Yeah. I'm one of my main things that really bothered me about the musical episode last year was the lip syncing. Oh, yeah. I just found that and especially Madeline. Madeline, um hello, do you listen to this podcast? Maybe you can add, get some pointers from um me, the person who doesn't do what you do and you're incredible, but anyway, but one of my things that really bothered me was that she wasn't really like when when she sings it in the studio, she obviously has a lot of power and a lot of she puts a lot of effort into it. Like when you're making a big belty noise like that, you, you it takes a lot of effort. And she was just lip syncing it like it was like a casual thing she was saying, which made mm-hmm. it look really fake. So that was the main thing that I that I thought about. But um, after watching the musical and listening to the um, soundtrack on Spotify, which I urge people to do before the episode comes out, especially Candy Store. Oh my god. It's my favorite song. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah. It it's it's a very very emotionally not emotionally, sorry, vocally taxing musical. And I know that uh um Josie is playing the character of Veronica and that is a role that takes more power than I have seen Josie do. I'm excited because I think that she can do it. Yeah, I'm also excited, and I'm also very excited to see Sweet Pea and Fang sing if they will let them. I mean, Sweet Pea is the main guy, so they better let him sing. And also, that's another very vocally, you know, you gotta have power behind that one, too. It's, yeah, it's a really hard male role. This is gonna be interesting. So, I'm really excited. Could they just, like, make the episode just, like, the musical? Right? Just, like, literally just have it be the performance of the musical. Yeah. Um, yeah, but one of my other things as well was that, um, oh shoot, what was it? Oh crap, hold please, I just had it. It's hold. <clears throat> oh, it's um, also a very explicit music video, or not music video, what am I saying? It's a, also a very explicit musical. Um, like even if you just listen to Candy Store, there's a lot of things where it's like, um, I don't think you can say that on TV, especially not on the CW. And I went and listened to the um, high school version because there is a high school version and a lot, a lot of the um, lyrics are changed. Like a lot of them. Oh, that's no fun. So I'm like, yeah, it's not, it's no fun. But the words that they use, uh, like in the actual musical, I'm just like, I, I know that Cheryl would say these things and I can fully see Cheryl saying these things, but I don't know if they'll let her. And if they do, I'm going to be like, okay, but you're in high school and that's not the high school version. I just want you to know what I'm going to complain about before I complain about it. I love knowing that because then I have to listen to it like four times. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that's just, I'm glad we got all our musical thoughts out, out now because. <laughs> yeah. So to steer it back to this episode. Yeah. I'm very excited for next episode. Thanks. What did you think of the Shoney sex scene? And I'm okay, only yes. asking um, this because of like what we usually talk about on the pod, which is the age of the characters. Right. Obviously that's a problem. And, you know, we always say that. So, so putting that aside, one of my main problems with it was just that you're like in the speakeasy, uh, Veronica slash pop could walk downstairs (gasps) at any point. Like this is a, this is a food establishment. Um, ew, just a lot of ew. Um, but I found that it was really, and I've already used this word, so it's like doesn't mean as much. But um, it's a very it was very explicit scene, and I'm I'm very happy for the gays. Um, but yeah, we we are a happy bunch. Yes, but um, you know when we have scenes with Veronica and Archie, or we have scenes with 
Josie and Archie, or we have scenes with for, uh, Betty and Jughead or whatever, you know, straight couples, you get like, oh, they're making out. Oh, let's cut to the aftermath, you know? Mm-hmm. But this, it, it's very, it, we get the during, which is really, because it's like, we don't get a lot of, and it doesn't even, it would make me feel better if we also got the during uh, with um, Kevin and Moose. But because we're only getting it with Cheryl and Tony, it f- makes me feel very fetishizing-y. Like, it's like, yes. this is for... You know, d- does that make sense? Yes, it feels exploitive. Yes, 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 yes. I had that same thought as well. I'm I'm very much of two minds, or three minds, actually, which is one, you know, these are teenagers. They're underage. I don't want to see teenagers having sex on TV. Obviously, that's something that's yeah. going to happen. But the fact that the show never addresses all of the underage sex that happens is insane to me. Yeah, like Cheryl once like brought up that there w- that it was happening, but no one ever said like, isn't it kind of weird? Yeah, like is no one talking to these kids about like safe sex? Like none of that. Like, you know, even if Kevin and Moose had had any kind of conversation about getting tested. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If anybody could bring up a condom at any point, I'd be happy. Yeah. And I mean, especially if, like, you want to talk, like, have these conversations about, like, young uh, men who are having sex with each other, getting tested is really a big part of the conversation. Yeah. And I, I just think it's important that we really, if you're if you're going to normalize teens having sex, do it in a vaguely responsible way, which this show never yeah. does. My second thing is that you are absolutely correct in terms of the explicitness, because I also agree that... Women are very often, and female relationships, especially of a sexual nature, are often really sensationalized in media. Mm-hmm. So we often get more of that just because there's more there's more ground to cover there. And shows just really enjoy, like, showing off women in their bras, you know, like, really try yeah. to toe that line. So, like, they clearly did that here. And so I'm really of two minds where I'm like, yes, I'm so glad that, like, this exists. It exists for young women. It's being normalized for young women. And they get to see, like, themselves on screen. And I think that's friggin' fantastic. And I'm so glad that all of the sex scenes aren't just Barchy and Bughead randomly going at it for no reason. But I'm also a little uncomfortable with the way that it's done. One of the... Uh, another reason why I think that it is a little bit exploitive um is also something that i brought up in last week's episode um when we were watching the trailer mm. is that um when we you know very occasionally when like varchi do stuff we do we get it in the trailer you know because it's old news and shoni is kind of old news at this point too but every single time there is a shoni scene that's a, even a little bit sexualized mm-hmm. uh, it's always in the trailer it's always in the yeah. trailer because they're like hello Watch this, lesbians, question mark? And (laughs) I don't know, everyone's like, yeah, let's watch. So it's kind of like, and it's such a weird relationship because you're torn between thinking, is the show doing this for its queer audience? And is this them doing what the audience is asking for? And in that case, I said, thank you. Or (laughs) is it them, you know, going, okay, well, here's what gets views. Here's here's what generates numbers. Yeah. And I think maybe both things are true. Yeah. And I I don't know how I feel about it. I know that I acknowledge its existence and I need more time to think on it. But I do know that when they did the same thing in Person of Interest with Root and Shaw, there was like a lot of buildup to a reunion that they were going to have. There was a lot of buildup to Root and Shaw's sex scene. And at no point during that scene did I feel like it was exploitive. I felt like it was earned. The show always respected their relationship and never sensationalized it or shoved it in your face and said, hey, here's your queer rep. It was just a matter of fact within the show. So in that case, when it was two women, like 
consummating a long time relationship with each other and with the audience, I was like, yeah, this was completely earned. Whereas you see this here and I'm like, I don't know what the motives are behind this scene yet. Yeah. So yeah, I'm definitely, I have a complicated feeling about it, but as someone who like is in a relationship with a woman, I do love seeing female relationships on screen, especially because, you know, like people tend to sh- shy away from that. Or if they do it, they overdo it. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, really quickly before we stop talking about this, what's the point of the blindfold? She immediately takes it off? Question mark. Hey, what a great question. Like, did we miss a lot of the stuff that happened? I don't know. Like, it it, it doesn't really matter. But I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What are you blindfolded for? <laughs> What are you doing? Okay, so the Heather's announcement is weird. <laughs> Kevin's like, hi. And Cheryl's like, hey, so we're doing Heather's now. And he's like, okay. And he just walks away. I'm like, okay. So, I mean, thanks for the heads up. But like, didn't, I mean, I guess the same thing happened with Carrie. Cheryl was like, hey, Kevin, heard you doing Carrie. I'm Carrie. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and I mean, the great thing about having a character like Cheryl is you just kind of go, all right. Yeah. Like, sure. That's just how it's going to be. But here's the thing is she knows it's got to be Heather's because she's wearing red and she's playing croquet. Yeah. And that's all Heather Chandler. That's all Heather Chandler. Yep. The, the sheer drama of her planning that for Kevin's arrival is incredible. Oh, and then the last one I had for this storyline was just, I feel bad that Kev probably did a lot of work, uh, a lot of preparation work on, on the Godspell music video. Or, not, mus- Why do I keep saying music I video? don't know. Musical. I don't know. I have Kevin thoughts as well, but it's not on that. It's... Oh, okay. It's that um, I was kind of sad that I thought the scene was going to be both of them commiserating as like, you know, the town... Mm the town gaze. And I was kind of excited for them to have a discussion about like the difficulties of like being surrounded by straight couples who get to break up and hook up with each other and do whatever the hell they want versus like, you know, what it's like to just sort of have your first queer relationship fall apart. Yeah. Um, And they didn't do that, but it was followed by the Heather's announcement. So like, I'm good. Dude, I'm literally like, (laughs) I remember when it was first announced and I was like, this is weird. I kind of wish blah, blah, blah. And then I watched the musical and I'm just like, hello, um, give me that. uh, And then you can go. You literally have your list of demands for this episode. (laughs) Yes. And I even was like re-listening to the soundtrack recently, which once again, I urge people to do before the musical comes out um, because you can kind or the, or next week's episode, because you can kind of like tell exactly what, what songs they might do. Mm -hmm. Like when you, um, like for example, the me inside of me is, um, let me get you some lyrics. I was just listening to it while we were, um, while I was waiting for you here. And basically what happens in it is that um, they, uh, Veronica and JD have accidentally killed Heather Chandler. And now Veronica, who's a really good, um, 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 she's really good at faking, forging. She's really good at forging people's uh, handwriting. So she forges a suicide note so that, you know, they don't get in trouble for killing Heather Mm -hmm. Chandler. Um, and so, so the whole song is about, is like basically this suicide note that she's written, but, um, no one thinks a pretty girl has feelings. No one gets her insecurity. I am more than shoulder pads and makeup. No one sees the me inside of me. So cool. 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 Yeah. 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 No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So I'm like, cool. Yeah. I can literally see exactly where this yeah. is coming. Good to be hurtful. And at the same time, kind of excited for everyone to be wearing shoulder pads. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on. Yeah. I just, I'm very excited. I, I really expected to see in the trailer, some, like at least like one song that they were actually singing. And <laughs> I was so excited. Did you not get that? I haven't seen it yet. No, no. I mean, I mean, it's just like regular music over top of like clips of them being of like singing, but, but you don't actually hear anything they're doing. 
going. I was like, I just wanted to just give me one song. Oh my god. I just want to know what they're singing. Sorry, bud. I would God. Okay. I don't it's fine. I just want Okay. To. Well, you know what? I have great okay. news. You only have to wait six more days before you get it. It's yeah. so true. Hey Brittany. Hey Robin. Have you heard of something called Patreon? Um, no, I haven't. Do you want to tell me about it? Sure. Uh, it's a service in which you can donate monthly to some of your favorite creators. Um, mm-hmm. Have you heard of the aficionados? Yeah, I have. I'm vaguely uh, familiar with them. Sure. So they have a Patreon, you know. You're kidding. Yeah, you can find it at patreon.com slash the So I can it's- donate money to help them run their podcasts? Yes, you can. Their lowest is a dollar a month. That's it. Oh my God. That You know what? You can mm. find that on the street. <laughs> you sure could, you know. It's like, yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, you could do three dollars, and that'd be just be like a coffee a month, you know. Yeah, or like one less item at the dollar store where everything's actually a dollar twenty-five. Yeah, yeah, really, and uh, that w- it would just be really helpful to them because they run four different SoundCloud accounts, and and those are like a uh, hundred and fifty dollars per year for each one of them. So that's like a lot of money, you know. Wow, that sounds really expensive. It really is. And another really cool thing that you get with their Patreon is that you get early access at least one day for every single pod. And oh, so, cool. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're a Patreon sponsor, uh, you, you might be listening to this one day early right now. And I mean, all bits aside, guys, any money that you can donate, we really appreciate. We understand if you can't and if you've just skipped over this. Listen, I support you. I skip YouTube ads. But if you have it in your heart to donate, that would be awesome. Yeah. And uh, the next best thing you can do if you can't donate is to recommend us to a friend. Thanks. And for all of you who have and who have, like, we've been steadily, like, noticing, like, more interactions and just getting to talk with you guys. And um, that just kind of means the world to me. I I love it. (laughs) And once again, continue on because in between these next two storylines, the announcement. I was going to, like, make some kind of noise, like, da-da-da-da, but it came too late in my brain. That's okay. Okay. Um, so we're going to talk about Archie now. Um, and you know okay. what? I'm okay with that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm, I'm Shout out to the writers who are making Archie interesting. Robin, I'm yes. okay to go. I'm okay, okay to go. Okay. That's, a, that's from Contact. I haven't seen Contact. Okay, literally Katya makes that joke in, oh, like, four times, is I'm okay to go. Okay. I'm okay to go. Okay. 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 Okay, okay here we go. <laughs> I think we both were making the same joke, but I appreciate us. Okay, good. All right. Jughead tells Archie that Ricky had the same Kill the Red Paladin card as the Warden. They must have been distributed. Archie asks Hiram about it, and yes, he made 12 of them and spread them around. They go to the comic book shop and find some nerds playing G&G. The dude says that it's an advanced quest that takes preparation. Jughead comes up with a plan that he will write a decree as the Gargoyle King that everyone who wants to try and kill Archie can try one time, and if they fail, they can't try again. Hiram gives Archie access to an old boxing gym for this. Nerds from far and wide show up to try and punch out Archie in full costume, including Captain Golightly, one of the scary dudes from L&L. Archie wins. I don't know how plausible that is. Hiram tells him that he can have the gym. What's he gonna do with it? Okay, Robin, I have a friggin' fantastic question for you. Okay. If you were gonna dress up yes. to go beat the crap out of Archie, sure. what would you wear? Oh boy. Well, the first thing that I have to say is that um, I would not go do that. Uh, but if you knew that you, you might be able to take him on. Also, how interesting is it that it's only men who have the Kill the Red Paladin card? Interesting or garbage? Yeah. I'm trying yeah. to change the subject because I haven't thought of what... <laughs> 
what I would okay, wear. Okay, great. Yet. I'm going to go. Um, okay. So here is what I would wear. I would just dress up as a Klingon. Sure. I wouldn't do any of the problematic blackface that comes with Klingons. Okay. Um, but I definitely would wear the armor because it might make moving hard, but I could take so many punches. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's something that Archie, like, um, Betty makes the really smart move to, like, make those rules about, like, no weapons and only one person at a time and stuff. But, like, some of these dudes, and a lot of them don't, and they just fully don't wear shirts also. But, um, some of them are actually wearing, like, like that one first guy, right? He's, like, wearing armor. Yeah, he, like, yeah. I'm like, there's no, there's no rule about that. Archie could be, like, you know, covered in pillows, and he'd be like, I don't have any weapons. Literally, exactly. You gotta think smart with this one. You gotta be strategic. Whatever. Yeah, okay, well, that's a- I mean, I'm just trying to figure out if I want to look cool or if I'm actually, like, trying to save myself, you know? Okay, okay, I have an easier thing to pitch you then. Okay. What would you dress up as to watch the fight where you want to look cool but not participate? Great, okay, well, in my mind, if I was playing Mm G&G, I know that um, when Claire was, like, casting us all as G&G characters, I think I was the Hellcaster- Mm -hmm. But um, I I would dress up as the princess. Perfect. Because who doesn't want to dress up as a princess? Also, I have just changed my mind. Okay. I know what I'm going to dress up as. Okay. Iron Man. Okay. With me, Archie. You can't. (laughs) Come at me, Archie. I am Iron Man. Yeah, like I am Iron Man and you're stupid enough to punch ice with your fists. Come at me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Literally. Thank you. Okay. Brittany, I have a very important question. Oh my god, what is it? Do we trust Hiram now? Mm, um, I mean, I don't, so what up with that? I mean, I'm like, I don't trust Hiram, but he's being like mad likable, so I'm confused. So I did wonder when I was watching this episode, and I think I've brought this up before, if not on the pod, then to you when we were just randomly talking. Uh-huh. Do you think that they're trying to make Hiram more likable to make Gladys less likable i would not be surprised like i really feel like hiram getting shot even though he's being still like kind of garbagey to veronica but he's not anywhere near as garbagey as he was before he got shot like i think him getting shot is they're like at the end of this season we're gonna either have to kill hiram or fix him yeah and i think that they're trying to fix him i don't know if they're trying to fix him at the detriment of gladys but i think that they're trying to fix him i i would agree Because, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's clear that Gladys has never been an overly likable person, but in the terms of, like, how the audience responds to a show, it does make me wonder if they're trying to sanitize Hiram a little bit because he's so unlikable. Yeah. And you can only keep a character like him around for so long before you kind of have to go, where where else are we going to take him? Yes. And you would hope that they would keep him around and you'd hope they'd develop him, but, like, given how they've treated Hermione... Also, P.S., where the hell is Hermione? Mm, not in this episode. Okay. I don't think she was in last episode either. Is she okay? Busy. Who knows? Um, I don't know. I'm like, bring back the fact that she literally killed her lover. Yeah, Hermione's like Loki a murderer. I feel like we should focus yeah. on that at some point. Yeah, I don't I don't want to forget this. So like, I want to hold on to this just as long as I did when they were like, Cheryl literally sent a pig heart to Josie. No one's going to talk about it? Okay. Oh, well, given their track record, then they'll just solve that in the musical episode. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Okay, this does make me wonder, though. Do you think they're setting up a late season reveal that Hermione is the Gargoyle King? Oh god. I don't know at this point. I still want it to be Dark Horse Dark Horse Charles. So do I. So, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I don't even want to harbor a guess at this point. People, yo, 
If y'all got ideas as to who you think the Gargoyle King is, please let us know. If you want to send in a voicemail like Sam did um, this episode, feel free to send us one at aficionadospodcast at gmail.com. Because we... Now remind me, because it's this show. Sure. We are still looking for at least one Gargoyle King, right? Yeah. uh, Yes. Yeah. Like the main one. Yeah. Yeah. We still don't know who that was, because now we know that the person that Hiram was talking to was Tallboy in a Gargoyle King suit. Yes. And we know that the person who sent the Midnight Club the cards... Okay, um... No, we're definitely still looking for one, because we... Do we know who the original Midnight Club Gargoyle King was? No. It was, like, kind of... I mean, like, Hal was like, Twas I! But we're like, no, it wasn't. (laughs) And it wasn't Mr. Moose? No, no. He was just the Gargoyle King that one time. Okay, so we still need to know who the OG Gargoyle King is. And I don't I don't know about the OG Gargoyle King, but I still do think that the person who like set up that thing in the in Bizarro Dale that said like got you or whatever, I think that was Penelope, and I will continue to think that. Yeah, Penelope's been kinda missing too. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it was like all in to to major mason's plan but i mean penelope's the one who found it and she's the one who like you know i don't know she's the one who's like ah that's true okay so archie (laughs) yes 12 cards and they say that they can uh attack him for 12 hours so 12 is an important number do you want to say why uh, 12 is an important sci-fi number. Yeah. It's almost always plays like, it's kind of like how seven is a, is an important, like, supernatural number. Yes. Um, 12 is often a very important sci-fi number because it signifies things from, like, Battlestar, the 12 Cylons, um, the 100, the 12 stations, and then there's always a secret 13th, which I'm guessing there will be a secret yeah. 13th in this. Oh, yeah, duh. Because, like, um, the districts of Panem. Yep. Yeah, that's right. The Hunger and Games. And the Secret Thirteenth. The Secret Thirteenth. Yeah. There's always a Secret Thirteenth somewhere. Yeah. So given. Wow. The- yeah, that's a good point. I think <laughs> that there will be. Then that's a really good theory. Okay. So, oh my God. Speaking of theories, Robin. Uh huh. Remember how I said that the way to catch the Gargoyle King was to check Kinkos? <laughs> yes. Freaking good for me because Hiram went to Kinkos. <laughs> I love how Jughead was like same cardstock, and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> who was the expert at Kinkos that told you it was the same cardstock?" Right? Like, did you? Was it Kinkos? Was it Staples? Did you order online yeah. or did you go in store? Yeah, I just have a lot of questions. Also, Kinkos is a interesting word that I'm not going to comment on. Thank you. Okay, uh, one of my notes was, "How does he talk and write down locations at the same time?" I just can't multitask like that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I just can't do that, and I'm. I, think that's really interesting it's called acting i don't know if you've heard of it yeah yeah so uh mlj comics is the name of the comic shop mm-hmm. that they go to mm-hmm. um when archie comics was first started in 1939 the company's name was mlj comics um cool yeah came from the first initials of the company's founders maurice lewis and john so not not dr cerberus uh, no. Honestly, Sorry. when I was watching, I kind of expected, like, a Sabrina thing oh to my go God. on there, but I yeah. guess not. <laughs> um, this is really cool, actually, because we got another um, tweet from Mandy, who is at Short Socklings, about this little moment here. Um, Betty doesn't remember King of the Mountain. Why doesn't she remember things? Like, it's just a narrative device so that Jug can explain it, obviously, but, but here's what Mandy said. One question. Why the hell do you think Betty doesn't remember anything the three of them did when they were younger? Playing on the snow hill or going to the swimming hole? It's a weird choice for the show to make. I feel like that they've fully forgotten that they that they had Betty forget something earlier. Like they had oh my her God. forget something in 301. Right. And it's like, why doesn't she remember anything? 
Because she's a clone. <gasps> I knew it. I knew oh it. God. She's a clone who took Betty's place. I've been saying it this whole time. Yep. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it makes sense for Archie to remember these things, and that's why they need Betty to forget. But yeah. it's, like, weird that she keeps forgetting things that they did in their childhood. Honestly, I identify with Betty because I, too, have forgotten most of my childhood. Mm. She's valid. Uh, Hiram says that he bought some properties on Sweetwater Docks. So now Sweetwater River also has docks. Isn't that just for, like, lakes and stuff? I'm We're just getting more world building. Um, Riverdale just keeps getting larger and larger. What a great... Yeah, they have uh, docks dedicated to just this one river. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I am excited for, like, that location because, like, a boxing, like, thing on the dock sounds... I like it. I like the idea of it. Yeah. You know? It's like, oh, the... And then the mist from the lake or whatever. Ooh. Also, can we talk about how it's a worrying plot device that, um... In a lot of TV shows that all problems can be solved with boxing. Why are there two boxing rings in one small town, Brittany? Well, there's two boxing rings, two high schools, and one restaurant. You never know in Riverdale. <laughs> and one courthouse that doesn't have air conditioning. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that there were, the, the logo of the gym is like a lion. I didn't catch what the gym was called. Like I th- There was a logo in the, uh, on the wall, but mm. I couldn't catch exactly what it said. We'll have to see because now Archie owns that gym. Yeah. Hey. Yes. Remember when we didn't know what Archie's future was? Yeah. He has one now. That's nice for him. He should hire Keller. <laughs> um. Yes, he should. Does Kevin's dad even have a job? Does Tom have a job? I mean, he was with FP to like train the kids. So I'm like, is he like a deputy now? Like, is he working at the police station and he's just not the sheriff? Or like, what's the tea? Yeah. Is he okay with FP being the sheriff considering FP is a like former criminal? <laughs> I think Tom Keller doesn't care. I think he's like, this is someone else's problem. This town sucks. I'm literally just trying not to get murdered at any point. Yeah, he's just trying to survive and hang out with his cool new wife. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Um, How is Archie's jaw not broken? Question mark. Oh, uh, magic. Okay. Mm. Um, um, The dude, he gets bitten? Yeah, that seems like it's against the rules. It seems like it is, but um, it isn't. Like, she said no weapons, and it's like, I, I mean, my teeth aren't weapons. I mean, unless you can take them out. Yeah. Dentures. Oh, yeah. The new weapons. Yeah. Yeah. Man, if I had dentures, I'd have vampire teeth put in them for sure. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Like dentures, but make Um, them cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so we have Captain Golightly coming in. Um, So he played with the warden then, yeah? I guess. Um, My question is, if the warden had one card, why does Golightly have another card if if they were in the same game? Like, maybe they weren't in the same game now that I'm thinking about it? Okay, thank you. Because... I had questions about the math of this. Okay. Which is, Hiram printed 12 cards. Yes. Some went to the warden and some went to... Tallboy. Tallboy. So wouldn't Tallboy and the warden each have cards? I mean, yeah. I mean, we know that the warden had one. So why were there 12 contenders? Well, I think that Hiram doesn't necessarily say that um, he gave the um, exact same amount. Well, there are 10 contenders, Brittany, because Ricky had one and Warden Norton had one. And so there are 10 left. But Betty counted 12. No, she says, oh, there's only 11 here. Yeah, so she needs the 12th. And then he's like, here's the... Exactly, and that's when Captain Golightly comes in. But But the show sort of implies that they didn't bring their cards, like, that Betty and Juggy and Archie didn't bring the two cards they already had, slash, did they already have those two? Well, they, we know, yeah, they did. So... Are we just supposed to, like, were there 12 contenders or were there 10 contenders and they had two spares? Yeah, they had the two spares that they already had and there were 10 people who fought Archie. Excuse me, I need to go look because I'm going to be, like, this is going to bug me if there were 10. This isn't important. 
I'm looking up how many, what Hiram says about giving I believe he said nine to Tallboy and three to the Warden. I gave three to Norton and nine to Tallboy. Yeah. I'm good for me for getting math for once. Oh my god, did I go to school for math? Yeah. What are you looking for again? Um, how many people were in the ring? Oh, you're looking at the actual, like, picture. Yeetle and beetle. Okay, well, first of all, there's way more than 12 in the challenger area. Oh, but didn't you think um, that, that some people were, were here to spectate? Yeah, but they're standing in the challenger area. Oh. Second of all, there are four women there. Oh! But not, but they're not. So we just didn't see Archie fight women. Right, unless they're- But definitely there were women- Huh. Contending. Oh. Yeah. Because they're, like, at least one of them's dressed up in battle gear. I mean, I wonder how that went. I mean, he clearly beat them, but- But they didn't want to show that, obviously. But they also didn't want to be like, it's just dudes. Yeah, it's a really fine line to walk. Yeah, and I think they probably did the right thing. Yeah, I think so too. I think so yeah, anyway. I think that's about that's about as good as they could could have done it. Is like yep. they were here, but we're not gonna like show Archie because that makes Archie unlikable. Even though it's like it makes Archie unlikable no matter who he beats up. You yep. know. Okay, what will Archie do with the gym? I feel bad for Mo. Mo will miss him. Will Mo miss him? Mo will be like, you were supposed to be my janitor. Now I have to do it All myself right, again. Mo's like, you were my janitor, and now you're my competition. I don't like this about you. What kind you? of secondary character am I? Yeah. <laughs> um, I hope that he runs a nice legitimate gym, but I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, yeah, Archie's going to be like, Veronica, will you give me business advice? And she's like, no, my business is going under. Yeah. It's, Real um, quick. It's Archie, so he'll find a way to screw it up. Yeah. Cool. That's all I had about Archie. Same. Cool. Oh my gosh, it's time for our announcement. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh boy. Brittany, do you want to make the announcement? Sure. Okay. Guys, we have some very exciting news. And when I say very exciting, I actually mean it. Yeah. This November, as you know, Sweet River Con will be taking place in Vancouver. It is a Riverdale convention and brought to you exclusively by us, the aficionados. We are holding a contest so that you can win your way into Sweet River Con. Yay! Woohoo! So... Robin, why don't you tell them what they have to do in order to enter this contest? Sure. So what we're giving away here is two tickets, two um, weekend passes to Sweet River Con. Um, and there is going to be a link in the podcast description, in the podcast notes, um, for you to fill out this really short survey. I think it's like maybe five or six questions long. Um, we're basically just asking for like your name, what your email is. Um, and some things that you're excited about for Sweet Rivercon. But the most important part is the very last question, okay? Yep. The last question is, what would you have to eat at Pops or something like that? If you put in, as listeners of this podcast, if you write in an AF burger, as in the, an aficionado's burger, AF burger, like put in whatever you want, but if you put in AF burger, you get two entries instead of one. Yep. Yeah. And we we did that specifically because we want our listeners who are like amazing to have like basically double the shot because you guys have supported us through this whole thing. And then in a few days, we will announce to the wider like Twitter sphere that we're giving away two tickets. So you guys get early access, first access, double stuff. Yeah, exactly. So definitely if you want two tickets or sorry you're getting two tickets but if you want two entries into the contest write in that if you were at pops you would order an af burger and okay. i just want to clarify like in terms of legal stuff this is just entrance to the con yeah. like it's your weekend pass it's not flights it's not accommodation it is two tickets to the con 
Yeah, it's not meet and greets. It's no um, autographs or anything. It's just entrance. You can watch the panels. Um, yeah. And then you have to buy everything else separately for yourself. But I know from experience, I've actually done Unity Days with no extras and had the time of my life. So if you don't want to buy extras, you don't have to. But uh, if you do, um, that's also awesome. Yeah. So that's the announcement. And so please enter. Um, the link is going to be down below in our information area. And um, may the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> yeah. You um, know? I don't think we have an exact date as of right now as to when we're drawing. But um, I'd say next episode, uh, we will have like an official date. But basically, if you're listening to this, get on it. Do it right now so you don't have to worry about it. Win your way into Sweet River Con. Yeah. Great, so let's talk about Jughead. Uh, actually, it's like Betty and Jughead. I kind of put them together. One might say it's Bughead. All right. Interesting. Here we go. The Jones house is a happy family once again. It's supposed to be FP's 50th birthday, but what? Gladys says she has a surprise. She bought the Cooper house, which we called. Yep. It's fine. It just has some fire damage. It's kind of awkward. Jug says that Betty can just stay with them and stay in her room, but Betty thinks that would be weird because she doesn't even know his mom that well. Meanwhile, Alice is asking FP whether or not their relationship will continue now that Gladys is back. Some BS about their children and how they're still married, whatever. Betty stays with Veronica, who tells her about Gladys being shady. All the serpents go out and help the police, starting their training. There's a commotion at Pops, more drug stuff. Betty tells Jug about what she heard, not telling him it was V who told her. He asks the serpents to try and figure out what the tea is. When he finds out that it was, in fact, his mom, he confronts her and she confesses. But don't tell FP or he'll have another breakdown or something. At FP's birthday, Jughead does a really lovely speech and doesn't out Gladys. He says he's going to save Jellybean and run Gladys out of town. Okay, let's talk about snake parents. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. So, here's the tea. I didn't get to watch this episode live. So I saw all the reactions about it on Twitter and everyone was like, what the hell? What's going on with Snape parents? I'm so upset. So I went in going like, oh my God, this is going to suck. I watched it and I am now more sure of Snake parents than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like this is, this is the bump in the road, guys. Mm-hmm. The problem here is that this whole scene and like everything about their relationship and, you know, Gladys being the mother of his children and them just not being able to be together even though they want to be would have way more impact if FP and Alice had had more than two scenes in the entire season together. Here's the thing. I get, like, I know that one of the main reasons why I love Sweet Pea and Fangs is because I can make up half of their lives. Mm -hmm. And I've been called out for that, but... One of the main reasons why we can ship snake parents is because we can make up half of their lives because there's freaking nothing there for us. You know, it's like, that's one of the best things about it. And, it, and it's not in a fun way. Yeah. For me, it's not because this is a canonical relationship between two main characters and it happens entirely off screen. Yeah. And that does a disservice to both characters because like we've heard from, you know, Machen and Skeet themselves that scenes have been cut. Yeah. And so it's clear that like the FP and Alice relationship, even though like it's been majorly hyped up and everyone's talking about FP and Alice and everyone's really excited for this, they decided to sacrifice their scenes in order to serve like the rest of the other storylines. Don't tell me that Archie deserved extra time over them or I'm going to punch somebody. Exactly. Like, I don't know how these decisions were made. I'm not an editor. That's not my job. What I'm saying is as a viewer point of view and as a writer, this scene does not have the emotional impact that the writers probably intended because we have seen virtually nothing of FP and Alice in a romantic relationship except for one scene when they were in bed together. Yeah. Like you can't shorthand that. Yeah. Especially because that scene was in what, 403? 
Uh, or 303? Or something. And it is now 315. Hmm. So they have not acknowledged the romantic relationship between FP and Alice for 12 episodes. Fun. Not, not, does not bode well for my segment. No. (laughs) So that's why that scene to me is kind of a little bull, but... Given what Betty and Veronica talked about and like Jughead's plan, Gladys is going to fall so far and FP is going to be broken about it. Yep. And he's going to need somebody to go running back to and hopefully it will be not Farmy Alice. Yeah, I'm hoping that honestly, Alice will be like, um, you chose her over me even though we were in a relationship. So, mmm, eat glass. Yeah. And they have to re-earn their relationship. Mm -hmm. And maybe we'll get to actually see it this time. One of the things that I really liked about the scene, though, is when she's like, do you love her, FP? And he says something, and I'm like, cool, you didn't say yes, though. And then she goes, do you love me, FP? And he says something else, and I'm like, you didn't say no. Yep. So, just saying. Hey, Robin. Yeah. Remind me um, who Charles is. Sure. You know what? Yeah. We actually learned yeah. last season that um, yeah. Charles is um, the child of FP and Alice, but I guess it doesn't uh-huh. matter to him because Charles is supposed to be dead. So what would that make Alice to FP? I think that makes him or her um, the mother of one of his children. You're kidding! Dude, I literally cannot believe that they chose, that they did not take the opportunity for her to say, and so am I. Yep. How? That's literally, yep. it's right, it's like on a silver platter right in front of them. It was one, And they thought, nah. Girl, it's three words. It's three words and I would have been like, I'm happy, thank you so much. Literally, this has the same energy as the beginning of season seven of Doctor Who, when Amy and Rory broke up because um, they thought that they couldn't have children and they were arguing over that. And I'm like, you already have a child. Her name is River Song and y'all forget about her when she's not there. Yeah. <laughs> It's the same kind of, like, like object impermanence. Here are some other things that I thought about this scene, though. FP takes responsibility for Gladys leaving. Very big of him. Yeah. I don't know if that's entirely correct, but I think that it makes sense for him. I, I just don't think that they're good influences on each other. I agree. I mean, if we'd seen more of FP's and Alice's relationship, we would know whether or not they're good influences on each other now, but we don't. So we can't compare the two, of course. Yeah. But what we see of Gladys is that her lifestyle is not um, complementary to what FP's is. Mm-hmm. When she says, do you love me? He says, it doesn't matter now. And I'm like, um, it, do- it matters to me. Yeah. Um, it matters to me. How about, it's really important. Listen. Say it so that we can gif it. They have seven episodes to fix this. Y'all oh, have seven will. episodes to fix this and you better. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's the least you can do. Yeah. I guess we should talk about things that aren't snake parents now. Yeah. I'm ready to move on. Cool. Um, the first thing is, uh, and we talked about this a lot last episode, but FP is not 50. He's not 50. No. I don't know how to make sense. I don't know how to make sense for this in canon. He's literally not 50 because that would have made chick in his mid 30s and they literally say in season two that he would be around 25 they said it it was actual dialogue that he would be in his mid 20s and you're telling me that by making fp 50 that he would be in his mid 30s and that literally just does not compute with the information that i have given that i have been given and i'm upset about it because i don't like when things just blatantly don't make sense also that means that every other parent is also 50 and that they all have their children 
later in life than we thought they did. Unless they're trying to tell me that FP is significantly older than them, that he was like held back a bunch of years, but that doesn't make sense either. And that would make me feel gross about his relationship with Alice. Because exactly. if she's 16, which we know for sure, and he's like, what, 20 then? Then that then I'm like, ew. That's illegal. So, uh, yeah, um, we talked about it a lot last episode, so we don't need to like ruminate it on, on it too much. It just doesn't make sense and I don't like it. And I understand why they chose 50 because it's the 50th episode, but I still don't like it and it doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah, sometimes the whole uh, cutesy numbering thing, it, it it doesn't have to be kept. Yeah, Hot Dog is still here. That's nice to know. Yeah. He's okay. Gladys' serpent tattoo. I don't know if this was the first episode where it was really um, featured, but I really noticed it this episode. Um, completely missed it. Where is it? It's on her arm. Oh, interesting. like serpentine around her arm. Not to be cool. that bitch, but hers is on her arm and Alice is on her thigh. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Um, I loved this moment where, um, where Betty's like, you sold our house to the Joneses? And literally FP and Jughead are like, no, hey, we are not the people to be mad at. Uh, it was not me. No, no, it wasn't me. No. Hmm. It's also almost like they're both trying to placate the women they love. What? I saw a gif of this moment and I watched it like 10 times because it's like Jughead does a completely different thing than FP, but it's like so perfectly in character. And yep. it's like, I just love that moment so much. When the Joneses have to appease the Cooper women before they go nuts. Yeah. Gladys says that she made an all cash offer online. I'm like, girl, that's like a, oh, at least... Probably over $100,000. I mean, she got 75 of it from Ronnie. In cash? Probably. Okay. I mean, the banks are like... The speakeasy deals all in cash. The banks are like, oof. Alice is going to be like, what? how am I supposed to deposit this and not have the money be questioned? <laughs> yeah. Jughead's hat pins are getting dirtier. Clean them, please. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's thanks. busy. He doesn't have time for that. True. If Jug runs Gladys out of town, do they all still get to stay in the Cooper house? Um, yeah, when FP and Alice get married and everyone moves in together. Yeah, but Gladys owns the house. I said what I said. Okay. FP will get it in the divorce. Oh, okay. I thought it was interesting that both Gladys and FP call her jelly bean behind her back, but JB to her face. Aw, that's Because cute. she wants to be called JB, but they still call her jelly bean. That's I a good that compromise. Yeah. Uh, FP says that Keller is the best sheriff the town has ever seen, and I cry. Thank you. I mean... Is he though? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, I, lo I love Tom Keller with my whole heart, but he wasn't that good a sheriff. He's like, yes, I did kill people. Hmm. I did. I solved absolutely zero crimes. Yes, I remember when I shot the janitor who was innocent. <laughs> I I recall when I had teenagers solve my crimes for me. Yes. Yeah. So is Keller still working at the station? We kind of already talked about that. Oh, um, FP loves gum. Okay. FP loves gum. Um, and we know that about him. Okay. I'm glad that we know that about him. Uh, and this is just more evidence as to how much he loves gum. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, my main question is, hey, um, who did Sweet Pea and Fangs go with? Did one of them go with Keller? Who went with Keller? Thanks. I hope they went with Keller. When they say, um, when uh, he asked what FP is most proud of, he says that he's most proud of Jughead and Jellybean. This was such a good episode for FP. Yeah, this was a fantastic... It's like the show realized that FP is kind of part of the heart of the show. So true. Because, like, the emotion and the dedication that Skeet puts into FP is so palpable. Yes. They go to Pops and someone spilled coffee on Dolores. And we saw Dolores in 203. She gave Kevin some coffee. Dolores, are you okay, man? I hope she's alright. I hope you don't have any burns. Uh, FP says uh, someone is going to reopen the candy store. Oh, no. The, he said candy store. They have to sing 
candy store up. They're going to. They're going to. They have to. There's a point in the trailer where I'm like, if they are not singing candy store, I will eat my hat. And by that, I mean, I don't really wear hats. What's interesting is that I've I've heard that from you already. Um, yeah. So uh, which hat are you going to be eating? Well, I don't wear hats. So it was kind of going to be like a trick question thing where I was going to be like, oh, shoot. I don't know. I'm not wearing a hat. Oh, bold of you to assume that I wouldn't make you eat a hat. Oh, okay. Okay. Jughead's like, oh, I wonder who is going to take over the candy store. And Veronica's like, yeah, weird. I totally don't know. Haha, <laughs> bye. I love how Jughead's like, yeah, I wonder who I should suspect. And Ronnie's like, well, not my dad, idiot. Bye. Haha. <laughs> uh, this was actually interesting. I tweeted about this. Um, So Betty tells Jughead that it looks like it's going to be his mom is the one who uh, who's taking over the candy store. I was so surprised that Jughead fully didn't yell at Betty for accusing his mom. And I thought that was very mature of him. I expected him to yell at her. (laughs) When the bar is so low. I expected him to yell at her. And he didn't. Oh, the bar is so low. Yeah. I was um, was surprised. (laughs) <laughs> I really expected yeah, him to yell he t- at her. He took it well for a dude who usually freaks out at stuff. So yeah, Jughead tells them all to like go and figure out stuff. Uh, SPF goes to the comic book shop, but they're the ones who learn that it's going to be Gladys. So it's like, cool. So the coffee sh- or the comic book shop people are the ones who knew it was Gladys? Yeah. Okay. There's um, a lot going on at the comic book shop. Nerds have dimensions. So some of the other serpent names slash gargoyle names that we get are Jinx, Termite, Weasel, and Old Deuteronomy. De- old Deuteronomy. Yeah, I said it right the first time, question mark. Old Deuteronomy? Mm, kind of. Okay, whatever. Anyway, I thought that Old Deuteronomy was going to be a... Uh, it's a reference to cats, first of all. So last episode, he called two of the gargoyles Heckle and Jekyll, which is a reference to this old cartoon of these, like, uh, twin crows. <laughs> these, like, animated crows who just, like, do the same thing all the time. So it was a funny joke. Mm-hmm. So I thought he was making a similar joke here. But, um, Weasel, Jinx, and Termite don't really match up with anything, which makes me think that this guy actually goes goes by Old Deuteronomy. Yeah. Which is a character from Cats. <laughs> um, so. These are all really bad drag names. Yeah. I mean, with the exception of Jinx, uh, Monsoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely... Came, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, old Deuteronomy. That just doesn't really have a ring to <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Sweet Pea's like, hey, what about this mask? And Jughead's like, wear them. And I'm like, once again, serpents don't wear masks. We literally learned this at the beginning of season two, but they just fully ignored it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Um, Jughead says, hey, mom, I heard that you're a bad person. Why doesn't she lie? I expected her to lie. Oh, why doesn't she lie? What the heck? Why doesn't she just say, no, who said that? Weird. I think maybe because she sees Jughead as a threat. Mm. So we already know that they all, uh, that Archie and Betty live on Elm Street. Um, we've known that for a while. But um, basically it's a reference to Nightmare on Elm Street, obviously. And something that they say in that movie is that every town has an Elm Street. So of course this town does. Ooh. Yeah. This checks out. Mm-hmm. So many bad things happened there. I had so many notes for this storyline that we're just going boom, 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 boom. What I thought was weird is that Gladys is like, uh, you can't tell your dad because it might break him maybe for the last time. I'm worried about FP. What does that mean? Does that mean like, well, he's going to hurt himself if you tell him or something? I don't, like, here's the thing. And I texted you this and I'm not sure if I'm on the right track, but they seem to be pumping FP full of greasy food emphasizing his age and he's drinking Mm -hmm. i feel like fp is headed for a health scare yeah like some kind of heart attack something yeah like i'm worried that or they were just like hey it's his birthday he's allowed to have greasy food i don't know right um it looks like there was a scene at the speakeasy between gladys and fp that was cut 
Um, mm-hmm. uh, Bughead walks away, and then Gladys kind of, like, turns into FP like she's gonna talk to him, and then they pull to a wide, and then she's- then she walks away. And it's kind of weird, so it's like, I'm pretty sure there was a scene between them that was cut there. I can't usually tell, but I feel like there was one there for sure. Oh, I wonder what it was about. Fred comes up, of course, and is talking about how they're gonna be neighbors now. I wonder which episode they were filming- You know, like, I wonder how long we're still going to be seeing him for. Yeah, it was really, it was really sad to see Fred just because all of his scenes now are sort of, I mean, it's it's literally looking at someone who isn't there anymore. And so everything takes on much more meaning and it's much more nostalgic. But I think even in this scene, it was just like, it was so soft. Mm -hmm. Always. You know, it was so soft, like so supportive, so kind. And I'm like, I wish Fred had more to do this season. Totally. Like he was in last episode and he was in this episode, but just the very small scenes where he comes in and he's just like, I'm here to say something sentimental. And then he just leaves, you know? And it's like, I wish, yeah. you know, and, and hindsight is twenty twenty, but I wish they had used him more this season when they still had him. Yep. Yeah. I think it's, it's a real crime and a waste of Luke Perry's talent that they didn't utilize him more. But it's really nice to see him in the stuff that we do get. Yeah. Uh, Alice didn't come to the party, and I'm sad. I think FP was looking for her. <gasps> you do? I mean, just kind of look at the way he's kind of looking around. I wouldn't be surprised oh. if Skeet kind of decided that yeah. FP was hoping that she would be there. Yeah. I love that. Because everyone else was there. Most of the main cast was there. Yeah. Like, everybody. I thought it was actually so funny how they were all sitting there, and it's like, you look in the background, and there's Archie just, like, beat up with a bunch of stitches in his face. Like... <laughs> No one says anything. <laughs> like, okay, I love how Fred is just like, yep, just another day of being Archie's dad. Oh, poor Fred. <laughs> um, I thought that funny. it was funny that Jughead said we're a rather broody bunch. I mean, he's right. Like the Brady bunch, but they're broody. Yeah. yeah no, that. I got it. It's, okay. it's funny. It's funny. Yeah, I liked it. Um, it's funny. Why does Jughead choose not to call out Gladys? Like, I get it. I would have I would have been like, it was not the time. Yeah, I was like, ooh, uh, you know, you're in front of everybody. So maybe not right now. But but yeah, he I mean, he could have done. I mean, it was a deliciously tense moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love the moment for like the drama it bring, but like or brought. But um, the drama it bring. I'm illiterate. <laughs> I was like, where did you get that? I'm so tired. Dude, literally, when I was in college, I had one of my best friends, he would always say, he grew up on a farm, and he would always mm-hmm. say, yeah, I seen that. And it, Oh, it's and my mom's it, biggest pet peeve. I know, and like, all of us would be like, you saw that, you saw it. That So that's just what it reminded me of, and I'm just like, who has been saying brang around you to make you think that that's correct? Literally, if someone says, I seen it in front of my mom... She will just like lose her mind. Yeah. She goes into a rage that she does not recover from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I don't know who's been saying. Honestly, I think it's just that I'm tired. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Well, okay. Good thing we're almost done here. No, just like, you know, like physically, emotionally, and yeah. spiritually tired. That's fair. Yeah. One of the most lovely and sentimental things about that speech, which I thought was fantastic, I thought it was a really lovely speech, and I thought that Cole delivered it really wonderfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite little detail in it is when he says that he's proud to share FP's name oh. when when Jughead has been going by a nickname his whole life because he wasn't proud to share his dad's name. The development in their relationship is everything to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have come so far. From FP being in jail and being the dad that Jughead resents. Yeah. Oh, soft. It's so good. Them Jones boys. Like, what a great 
top-notch detail. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's all I had for this episode. Same. Great. Um, so now it's time for our segments. My first segment is a sexual joke head question mark, question mark, question mark. And the answer is yes, always yes. I don't care. God, you're valid. Thanks. And mine is which MILF was the most badass. And I'm going to go with Gladys, yeah, I guess. I guess. She's pretty yeah. badass. Yeah. Just not in a good way. Did the snake parents acknowledge their obvious history? Yes. For the first time in a while, but not in a good way. Yeah, not in a way that we want to see. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's time for our best line award. My best line award this episode goes to Hiram and Archie for... Archie, long time. How have you been? I was doing pretty good, Mr. Lodge. Until a homeless kid stabbed me in my house. What a sentence! I I loved that line so much and I was so mad that you already had it. I know, you literally texted me it and I was like, look in the doc, it's literally already in the doc that it's my favorite line award. Oh, so mad! <laughs> and I have an honorable mention that I want to give to Betty as well as FP and Jughead for... You sold our house to the Joneses? Not, Not to me. me. <laughs> Not me. Not me. Fantastic. Yeah. And mine goes to Archie for... That quest is in play here. Yeah, we'll take your shot then. Just because, like, Archie, the entire purpose of this was <laughs> to keep you from being killed. And then you were like, hey, kill me. Hey, kill me. That's fine. Oh, my God. I Stupid. literally thought your your text about this was so funny. When, <laughs> let me find it. I thought it was so good. <laughs> I'm much funnier on paper, you see. Good thing you have a podcast. Welcome to my candy store. Still? It's stuck in my head. That's fair. Archie, we should find the people trying to kill me. Betty and Jughead. Okay. <laughs> Archie, take your shot, nerdo. <laughs> <laughs> and then you said freaking moron <laughs> he's so stupid take your shot nerdo take your shot nerdo i was like come at me dorcas <laughs> okay come on dingus throw a punch <laughs> okay um time for our trailer reaction uh, as i said i have seen it and i have actually even gone through it a little bit so sorry you're a traitor but um i was very excited and i had to i had to and also another thing is that it's written by the same girl who wrote the carrie the musical episode so <gasps> yes yeah okay ready yep three two one play heather's deals with oh boy oh, oh, oh boy oh boy child of the corn god i'm what so excited is your damage child of the corn are you oh. ready Oh for this to be what? my favorite episode. What? Hiram and Hermione are separating? Is being used Finally. To <gasps> students into a cult. God, you guys. Heather is being used to indoctrinate students into a cult? Yeah, oh okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay, so there's so much. There's oh so God. much. Okay, I'm, I'm ready. I'm literally ready to so shoot this episode. Excited. I'm ready to shoot it. Okay, okay, so first of all, everybody's on stage, obviously. Um, I think it's interesting that Betty is wearing her crown sweater again. Oh, yeah. Well, as, we love like, a girl who recycles her wardrobe. As a costume. Maybe it's because she burned a lot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> None of her stuff got burned. Um, okay, here's the cast lying on the ground, which um, I have found is a like theater thing that you do. So that's probably what they're doing. Also, can we talk about how Tony is still close to Cheryl, even though they are broken up? Where is she? Oh, yeah. She's, she, but she said she's, she's like on the, yeah, she's, she's lying feet, right? along them, but still sweet, together. Sweet, sweet pea and fangs sitting right beside each other because they're in love. They're such losers. There's Reggie. Yeah, just everybody. I love how everybody's just like, are they supposed to be in costume? Because the Heathers are dressed the way that they're supposed to. Anyway, uh, Evelyn's being creepy to Cheryl in a bathroom. Wait, hang on. What? Someone's circling them. On the oh, like top the... left part of the screen. It oh, yeah, looks that's like probably maybe Evelyn? Could be, which is weird because she's part of the cast, so she shouldn't be. 
But maybe this is some kind of exercise she's having all of them do, and it's, like, farming. Oh. See, at first I thought maybe it was, like, Kevin, not looking at it. I thought maybe it was Kevin, because then he, you know... I mean, I've done exercises like this in theater school, so... But the arms aren't big enough to be Kevin. Yeah. Okay, and now uh, Cheryl doing some risque freaking moves on Tony, question mark? <gasps> yeah, that's Tony, I think. This is, once again, this is the freaking, once again, this is the freaking high school version. It should be the high school version, but they probably won't be doing the high school version. Yeah, well. Josie and Archie are, are like, what are we? And if Josie's like, I'm your girlfriend, I'm going to be like, Sweet Pea Erasure, but whatever. Josie because different. Why does Josie look so different? Because Sweet Pea is supposed to be her love interest in the thing. So that's probably why Archie's like, what are we? Right? Yeah. Because he's jealous of Sweet Pea. Oh, okay. Bughead kissing. Bughead, whatever. Not, that's nothing new. Hiram and Hermione are, are uh, splitting up. Shocking. Oh, no. No way. So it looks like we are getting the actual performance, which doesn't make me feel great because... Um, last time there was an actual performance, Midge got murked. Yeah. So, yikes. Um, okay, though. So... Looks like Penelope is in the audience. But this is, this is it. Brittany, do you see this right now with the three uh, uh, Heathers right in the front here? Yeah. Yeah, that has to be Candy Store. It kind of sounds, it kind of looks like, um, Cheryl saying, uh, Candy Store, too. (gasps) Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Do you read her lips? Oh my god, <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna cry! I'm so happy! It totally looks like she says store. Oh my god, I'm so Today in I'm the so fiction auto's hyper excess over something. Oh my god, I am so happy. I have never been happier in my entire life. Why? This is fully candy store. Oh Does my FB god. Does FB have blood on his face? Someone got murdered. <laughs> okay, so this is Archie, but also Archie and Reggie are, spo- are, are supposed to be best friends in the musical, and then they both get killed, and then Veronica, uh, uh, the main character of the play, does a forgery in which they were like, it was a murder-suicide and they were actually gay lovers. Uh, so <gasps> oh, great. Right. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, fantastic. Yeah, so there's that. And then they sing, I love my dead gay son. Um, yeah. Archie picking up Josie is the cutest effing thing I've ever seen in my life. Thank you. I'm trying to figure out who this is with, who is that wearing that? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, he has blood on his face and on his, like, shirt. So somebody must have punched him in the face. Yep. Lifting up Josie. So, oh my god. Okay, so that means they're playing- they're, they're, they must be singing a song. Like, in Carrie the Musical, they, like- remember that one time when Betty and Veronica were fighting, and then Betty came in and they were like, let's sing a song, even though this has no idea- you know what I mean? It's kind of cute, because it means that Josie wanted to rehearse there. Yeah, okay, so looking at the songs, I think it might be- it could be- well, it looks like Archie is also singing, right? Or is it just Josie who's singing? It looks like just Archie. Okay. It could, they could be singing, because they look happy, so it wouldn't be Dead Girl Walking. They might be singing Our Love is God, potentially. I am so confused with what's going on in the friggin' farm. Why are they all wearing 3D glasses like losers? Yeah. Oh my god, they're just a bunch of losers. Also, oh my god, this, this is the thing that messed me up. Okay, this is the thing. Okay, you see this one where they're all like, uh, like, um, um, lifting their arms, yeah? Yeah. Look who's on stage beside Betty. Oh, hang on. I'm, I have to skip there. Why name. is it, why, why is, why are you Why there? is why Jughead are singing? Why are you there, sir? Cole can't why sing? No, and he, like, specifically is like, I will not sing. So I'm like, why are you there? Do you think, does somebody get hurt and then he has to, like, take over for somebody, maybe, or something? Maybe. Like, is he, like, a, an understudy? Anyway. Okay, so there's a party happening. I don't know where. At the sisters, question mark? That, that's the sisters. Yeah, that's the sisters. Right, because the farm is, is doing the thing. Right, okay, yeah, so that's the sisters. Okay, who is Kevin holding on to? Like, I'm pretty sure that's Kevin. But one thing that Kevin did say before is that Evelyn has been 
um, introducing him to some gay farmies. So. Is this a wedding? I hope not. Me too. I sure hope not. Anyway, this is weird. Evelyn, once again, is behind Cheryl for some reason. The girls are- Okay, this has- I think this part is part of Candy Store, too. I think this might be- I think Candy Store might be a montage, and I think that this thing with the lo- at the lockers is part of Candy Store. Thanks. Yeah, I also think it's part of Candy Store. Tony is singing, and I think that this is her big song. If I'm right about which character she's playing, the song is called um, Kindergarten Boyfriend. Uh, if I'm right about who she's playing. Hey, I have a slightly related question. Okay. Last year, did the Heather's the Musical soundtrack come out before or after the episode? Uh, you mean the Carrie the Musical one? That is what I meant. I do not know. Okay. I wonder if I can find out. Riverdale, Carrie the Musical. Oh. Uh, it doesn't say exactly which day it came out. It just says 2018. Okay. So I do not know. We shall see then. But yeah, Tony's singing a big song, which would make sense for if she was singing Kindergarten Boyfriend. Because also it's like a sad song about like not being with the guy that you had a crush on before. Okay. I mean, obviously she's dating Cheryl, so it's a girl, but whatever. Yeah. She might change it. And then Betty's wearing a freaking heart sweater again. I'm like, Betty, look, cool it with the shapes. She just likes shapes, okay? Yeah, I get that. And then Jughead's upset, probably because Betty just told him that he has to sing. <laughs> Yeah, he's literally like, I don't want to sing. Yeah. I'm sure it has nothing to do with his criminal mom. Yeah, probably. I don't know. Anyway, Mm -hmm. I am obsessed and I'm so happy that we're going to be together. Oh my God, finally. I'm so happy that we're going to be together. We've been apart for far too long. It's been a really long time. I know, I'm not like a fan of it. Come back, please. I, I will be back soon. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. If uh, you're so inclined, please write us a review on iTunes. We like those. And we also have a survey. It's in the description. Um, and it's just like uh, perpetually open. Just some things we could work on would be great. Thanks. If you're a fan of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, we like to talk about that show too on this feed. So if you're subscribed to this feed, congratulations. You're already subscribed to the Sabrina podcast. Mm-hmm. Go listen to it. Uh, if you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show too. We did season four, season five. We'll be doing season six. And whenever the trailer drops, uh, Yeah. <laughs> Listen, okay, I want I want to warn everyone because I feel like there's a lot of crossover. They are screening the first episode of The 100 Season 6 on March 30th. If you don't want to be spoiled, get off the internet starting March 30th. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show too. Um, honestly, it is uh, the best show that we cover. I'm going mm-hmm. to be real with you. Yeah. So, um... Check it out if that's, like, what you're into. Um, and coming up as, as the second best show that we cover, in my opinion, if you're a fan of Stranger Gee. Things, uh, we like to talk about that show, too. We're doing season one right now, and season one will be finished just as season three is starting, slash coming out all at once. Um, so get hyped for season three by listening to our season one Stranger Things podcast. I'm already hyped for season three, so it's just making me more mm. hype. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. As we mentioned before... Sweet River Con is happening. So if you're into that, go enter our contest and um, come to Sweet River Con. Details are in our description boxes and at unityeventscanada.com. Yes, remember, what would you what would you eat at Pops? Say it with me, everyone. An, An AF burger. <laughs> I hope you all said it out loud. I'm judging you if you didn't. Um, follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Rebel, YouTube, but mostly Twitter, and I do work hard on our Tumblr. Thanks. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash the Aficionados. If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it because our hosting fees are um, what I would call expensive. Yes, and like we said before, if you can't donate for any reason, that's totally okay. The next best thing you can do is recommend us to a friend. Yeah, don't ever feel like 
we're pressuring you into it, you don't have no. to. We just really appreciate it. Yeah. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me at Abertana, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. The next episode is episode 316. It's called Big Fun. Um, huh. Sometimes I see it like just regularly written Big Fun and sometimes I see it in all caps. So I don't know, but it is a song from Heather's The Musical. Oh. Um, it's in act one and it's about a party. Okay. Big fun. Big fun. It's good. It's 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 a bop. And yeah, hopefully no one gets murdered this time. Do you think that's what they're singing in the sisters during that party? Oh, 100%. Yes. Okay. 100%. Just check yes. Please, if you're listening to this, go listen to the soundtrack because it's going to make watching the episode so much more fun. I love it. You gotta. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye.